and I feel so comfortable that I slip into the South Philly Italian guy accent. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how you doing, Paisa? Right. Paisa. Which I've learned is Italian for friend. Right. So, uh, how you doing, Paisa? Hey, wait a minute here, John. You come in here, I don't really, I got to tell you something. I don't really appreciate, I don't appreciate the way you coming in here acting like you're Italian. Right? <laughs> Look at you. Look at you. You got ginger hair, you got a big red face. <laughs> you're clearly a fucking mick. Okay? So, you're not from here. You'll you might, never be from You me. might live in the neighborhood, okay? But you're clearly a fucking mick. So, I'd appreciate if you just show a little bit of respect. I'm like, oh, man. How? Anthony, How I, I'm so sorry. I didn't, and that's when I could go into, like, the, my normal voice. I'm so sorry, Anthony. Um... My collegiate suburban <laughs> boys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really meant no harm or disrespect to you. Oh, cuz. Don't get all sentimental, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> just uh just kinda a little bit disrespectful if you know what I mean. I'm Zach Stock. And I'm Levi Landis. From Philadelphia, this is We Need to Talk. Episode 7, Excalibur. Loose your saber and scrutinize your savagery. Broken bones, muscles toned, fables, fans, and road stories. We're joined by musician and mythmaker John Francis in all of his swoon and swagger. Choose your weapon, lest it chooseth you. I wanted to bury a time capsule for myself when I was a kid with instructions and exhortations, I guess, on how to build the best treehouse. Because I knew that when I was an adult, I'd have too much of a concern for safety or practicality and forget what was fun about them in the first place. <laughs> like a fireman's pole or yeah. like a vine. Trap doors, <laughs> dumb waiters, maybe uh-huh. like a little mini roller coaster off of a rope bridge. <laughs> right. But I was also painfully aware of the fact that even though only the young version of myself knew what made a treehouse fun, I wouldn't get the tools or skills to actually build that until I was older. I remember this conundrum distinctly because it was like my first experience with a Catch-22. The idea that it's impossible for anyone to build a good treehouse. It's like as we get older, we're gradually being equipped for life, but... Somehow something is kind of lost in the process. Yeah, not just equipped for building things. We're equipped for the bigger stuff, like how to deal with escalating existential dread. Right. You're becoming an adult, you only get one chance at everything, and you're all alone in your very specific pain. And eventually, something will kill you. Right. Here's a Bible, and a beer, and a gun. Boys specifically with the guns. We're heirs to imaginary kingdoms. We need to be tough, and we need to be armed. Armed with huge arms. <laughs> I used to draw arms when I was a kid, just like arms with muscles. Just floating arms? Well, usually arms and chests and like an eight-pack. I got really good at drawing muscles in fifth grade. Me and Travis McNeil, we were like the best at drawing in the class. But his thing was weapons. And everybody knew I was good at muscles and he was good at weapons. So it was kind of like unclear who was the better artist. So at some point, someone decided that we should have a draw-off 
How does that work? There was one lunch period, and there was like a couple judges, and we both had to draw weapons, and we both had to draw muscles. Oh, so you had to do your thing and also their specific exactly. thing. Exactly. Oh, who won then? We both lost. <laughs> because there's no reason any other little boy should have that florid of an understanding of muscles or weapons. I mean, he knew exactly how many grooves were on each cartridge of an AK-47. <laughs> does his dad have one of those under his bed? Like, why does he know that? Did your dad have a giant floating chest and arms with a perfectly articulated trapezius? He had the bulbous body, too. And it was becaped for fighting petty thieves. There's a couple of things going on here that I love. First, you both were fascinated with how to destroy people. You right. could draw someone who did it with their bare hands. He could draw someone who did it with weapons. And then your friends decided that you should have a competition so that one of you could destroy the other yeah. at doing that. Yeah, we both lost, as I said. <laughs> when I was a kid, everything around me was a weapon. Oh, yeah? What do you mean? I, I had the distinct feeling that at any moment I could be attacked, I guess. And I might need to use any object at my disposal as a weapon. Like you would close me up in this book if you had to. Yeah, if I'm 10 and you're my enemy, I'll close you up. <laughs> like most little kids, you are equal parts desperation and imagination. Yeah. I remember feeling almost like all of history was leading up to any moment. And fate placed that object there. It's like Excalibur. <laughs> I was in the funniest fights when I was a kid. I think because I was just, I would always be last place. We would ride bikes in what we called the dirt lane, like hills. It was amazing. It was like a dirt bike track. There was uh, like a bully in the neighborhood, Jason Geyer. He was huge. He was like a couple hundred pounds then. He was maybe sixth grade, a couple years older than us. Was he on a little tiny bike? <laughs> <laughs> just a giant guy on a little bike? He had a little sidekick, Eddie. Who also had a bike? Or he's yeah, on his handlebars? Bike. Everybody biked okay. the, whole, the whole neighborhood, you know? But yeah, little Eddie would just like, he was the classic Sandlot kind of guy that would just repeat what, what Jason would say. And so it was huge Jason and little Eddie. And we would always ride around. And, and I swear in my mind, he's like the monster villain that was just like, who's more teeth than like human. Like he was the one with the smart sidekick yeah, instead exactly. of the dumb sidekick. Because exactly. <laughs> it's one of the two. And I imagine that when they went home, uh, Jason went into a little cage and Eddie went into a big cage. <laughs> Imagine Jason was just with shackles. He like, just hook him up to the wall. For some reason, he was still in charge because then they would let him out. He was just like physically who, superior. Like, who has them both restrained? His parents or something? That's what who was so weird about our neighborhood could just run wild. I think about kids today and they're just like, aren't they more in yards and houses? We were just like running everywhere like lunatics. We were racing and we got into probably some kind of like little alter with Jason and Eddie and and some one of the older two of the four of us was like said something to him that upset him and we raced off unbeknownst to me in fourth place going up one of these hills I just feel yoink I'm pulled right off of right off by what I by find what? out is Jason he I don't somehow snuck up behind me he was like On running foot? As, as fast as I could <laughs> this is how slow I bike so they're all, and as he's pulling me, I can You're see You're like in bullet time and he just walks up to you normal speed. I can see them slowly going off in the hills in the distance. And I'm like, 
what I'm captured now. <laughs> captured by the largest person I've ever seen in my life for hours. I mean, I was what? He's just holding you there. He was holding me. They were gonna throw rocks at me and stuff. <laughs> I was starting to get really scared because it was later in the day at that. Were they saying anything to you? Um, yeah, like they were threatening me and they would go off and talk. Like I thought maybe they were just gonna kill me and leave me there. So I didn't. I honestly didn't know. So then my, I see my babysitter come with my brother. I'm like, yes, she's gonna like come save me, right? She goes up and talks to Jason. She's a foot smaller than this guy. He lifts her up? He just says, like, I won't give him back. What? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm the babysitter. And, like, they knew each other, I guess. Like, their sister, like, his sister knew her or something. He's like, no, he's my prisoner now. I'm never giving him back. And I'm like, oh, my God. She leaves you? Me. I'm like, guys, you can't leave what me What about here. your brother? They're, so he's with her, but he does. he's, like, trying to throw it on her. Like, aren't you going to do anything? Right. So I'm like, what the heck? And he keeps pushing me back, and Eddie's, like, juggling those rocks. So I feel paralyzed, right? 45 minutes goes by, and then my brother comes back with uh, Chad and Sean again, and a pogo stick. <laughs> I swear. He had oh a pogo stick. Wait, Did to, he pogo over to you? He's like, We're coming, Levi, boing, boing, boing. He just looked with singular focus at Jason. He's like, I drove away. You didn't give my brother back. I came back and tried to be like diplomatic, but now I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt you. At this point he just walked maybe four feet from him, like a lot closer than what anybody had come, and just chucks this pogo stick. It hits him right in his sternal notch, this like spot between your the and death your, spot. And yeah, yeah, you drive it. And he went down. Eddie was just over him, going, "Jason, what's going? What's wrong, Jason? What's going on?" And I just ran. I never looked back. He man. speared him with a pogo he stick. Speared him, and we thought maybe he died. Maybe we let him like. He maybe had a brain aneurysm or something. But my brother was my hero. It felt yeah. like something from like some kind of Princess Bride era. Yeah, you know, story like yeah. saves me, and we ride off on a white horse or something. You know? So you were Buttercup <laughs> in that story. <laughs> but I just imagine the scene where he goes back and he's like, you know what, babysitter's not gonna help. Fuck it. And then he sees the pogo stick. I just want to be there for that scene where he's like, come on, guys. And they're like, the pogo stick? What are you like, gonna... I got this. Yeah. And he just like, storms over it. Probably the whole walk there, they're like, you cannot hit this guy with a pogo stick. Can you imagine Jesse preparing for the thing? He just picks up a rubber nose and puts it on and walks up. I thought he would have done like a little dance. Hey, Jason, I got a show for you. Dee, 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 dee. Hey, blah, blah. And then Chad and Sean are the back line. They got tap shoes And then on. as they're putting on the show, I dance dance away that's how i would have got us out of it like a little show awesome non-violent little (laughs) clown got back from two months in Europe. Is that the longest that you've been there? I've been there uh, at one point for three months, um, but not playing every night. I was sort of living there and, right. and, and playing to perpetuate the, the living situation. Where do you stay when you're over there? The Swiss like to sort of share me. They pass me around. <laughs> what are we talking about here? <laughs> this last tour, I was in a different place almost every night. Yeah. Different city almost every night. But sort of Zurich becomes the base. 
Well, you've, I know it. You've done this a bunch of times. Is it? Is there an element of it that's boring to you? Or no, touring in general? No. Boring is, is not the word. Never. The, What's the word? I would say um, grueling. Oh, I mean, you can enjoy something that's grueling, right? It's and hard work, you're saying. It's hard work, yeah. And it's, uh, it's on to the next town every day. You sort of become like a, you know, your sort of creature comforts are, are out the window. Is it going to inevitably be that way? Or do you kind of feel like there was a tipping point, like a period where you're like, oh, this is no longer than X amount of time should I be in Europe? Yeah. Uh, this last tour was two months. And I didn't intend for it to be two months. I just uh, kept getting offers. But after about a month, to answer your question, Levi, it became it became a real sort of a trial. Um, I just got really tired. Yeah. Being rootless, you know, it became more of an abstraction. I don't know, the whole thing became maybe more uh, wild or something. Like, I, was, I, I stopped really caring about time and money, and I started to get distant from reality in a way. Let it rain on those letters and tokens you keep. From your endless days as a child Let it rain on the silence between us Rain on your memory of me On your fair skin I remember so well And the red of the rose in your cheek When I do uh, indulge in my guilty karaoke pleasure, uh, it's totally pre-planned. I find out where and when the karaoke night is, and I show up in my leather pants, and oh I do my, my best gym Is this real? Are you telling us a real story? This is true. What songs have you done? Can I ask that? Break On Through, Break on through. Um, The End, uh, Light My Fire. What's the one? Blood in the streets, it's up to my elbows. What, what color are the leather pants? Hotel. Black. Of course they're black. Oh, okay. Black no, leather I know pants. the doors. I watched the Val Kilmer movie. Ah! <laughs> I'm fascinated by this mainly because you're an award-winning lyricist, and I think that Jim Morrison is probably the worst lyricist of all time. Are you kidding? I think it's awful. Well, you should read his, his book of poems, American Prayer. I think me and Lester Bangs are on the same wavelength about two. Jim Morrison. For some of us who don't have all this high context shit, you got to tell us who Lester Bangs is. Oh, he's a critic. He was a critic. Uh, Cream magazine. Some of us, I mean me. I didn't know either. Let's just let it be assumed that we're all as cool as one another. Well, let's let it be assumed that we're all as old as one another. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's try it. Robert Smith. Love the Cure, dude. Ah, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Love the Cure's. Songs. Old catalog, <laughs> all of them. The the one that Robert Smith is in. The best way to test that is to to go like three or four sentences deep in a conversation with someone, and then he pulls it out. Then but then like, later you say you bring up like some deep cut. I do that shit with door to door preachers. 
Not even kidding. They come by, and I have no idea what they're talking about. Oh, yeah. It's like, preach, tell me. I don't know. Really? I'm so interested. You're so interested. And then I'm like, <laughs> I've never thought about I did it. this. This is such a jackass move. I did this. I sat with these like Baptist preachers that came to my oh. door. They told me, I mean, they just assumed I was lost, and maybe I am, but I'm just sitting there ignorantly listening, and they're like talking about this stuff. Oh, it's by grace we're saved. And I sort of reach out like a, a small child. I'm like, oh, let me see that towards Knock their Bible. And, the door will be and so, of course, they hand me the Bible thinking, oh, this is great. This guy wants to hold the Bible. Like, we're really getting through to him. And I just sort of like randomly like just let it oh, fall no. open. Ooh, ooh, you uh, randomly let it open it, to the book of James. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I found it. But I, I would just pretend I was flipping through the pages like, Oh, what did you say? And then I'm like, this says by works that, or whatever is the opposite. Because, no. you know, the Bible has all these opposite things in it. You're just mocking. It, it was, was terrible. It was terrible. You're doing faith by works. It's called saved. condescension masquerading as patience. That's Ugh. that's one of my things, man. Terrible. And I'm a dick about it. I'm a huge dick about it. How many times a day do you do, do, you do that? At least once every day. <laughs> uh, now I know. Are I'm you fun. doing it right now? I was no, gonna no. say now. Now I know that I felt that from you as soon as you said oh, that. I'm no, like, oh, shit, that's not true. I haven't experience. done that to you. Oh, it's more thanks. people that like have no curiosity. I could not even be here, and they would still I'm be still saying talking. the same thing. You know, if they were saying this through their diary, it would be the exact same conversation. And that's how it was with these preachers. They had a it sound was scripted, bite. Yeah. yeah, it was a scripted thing they wanted to say, and you know, not to discredit their whole religion, which I. I might be doing a little bit, but I'm just discrediting their personality, which is... Douchebags. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's somebody who's not curious about the Come other person and doesn't engage. You know? So I'm like, oh, you're not curious? I'll be extra curious. Let me listen to you. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm just really listening to all of that stuff yeah. and just silently judging you and then... Dude, that's, that's <laughs> so much more gracious than what I do when street preachers come to my house. Oh, what do you do? I challenge them to a duel. <laughs> Can I ask you about a story? Yeah. About you breaking a guitar? Oh, yeah. Don't lead with the punch, dude. Don't well, lead with the punch. Well, sometimes you have to. Sometimes the punchline is the bait. Yeah. Indeed. Tell us this story, what you were on the road. I'm going to say the punchline. You broke a guitar <laughs> on a man's head. That's all I know. I just know the details. Yeah. It really didn't matter what I was singing about, what song it was. This fella just didn't like the general... Scenario that he saw. Where we, how close be, was he before to him? How close? <laughs> He's like everything about this. Sucks. I don't like him. Yeah. I mean, it's hot yeah. outside. Yeah. Why does he have that voice? He hated everything I, about it. Yeah. I hate I being really contained within space and time. Put it on somebody. I'll put it on making so many unanswered questions in this world. <laughs> exactly. And I'm up there doing my. You thing. see all of it. But I saw what was about to happen. He's getting more and more agitated as the night goes on. You know, put me in that biker bar minus that really agitated live wire kind of guy, and it would have been fine. You and a would bunch have, of bikers. Would have gotten along well. Right. Um, it's would, the outliers. Would have found a way to relate, right. you know? Would have found a way to just make it a, great, a good night. Yeah. Probably made some friends. Is this guy bigger than you? He was a lot bigger than me. <laughs> was there... I, my I, question I, is... I hit him because... I, I hit him with a guitar because I felt threatened. Did, was he heckling first? Did it start out like that? If by heckling we mean uh, he was inches away from my face, oh, with geez. his face, shouting how much he wanted to kill me, and, and I'm a fucking what faggot. What kind of song did you play? That is a huge testament to your lyrics. 
If some dude is like yelling in your face and like, I don't. I that really, means your song did something. I don't think it had much to do with uh, the, the the lyrical content. I was bringing something challenging to him because um, I feel like part of my role in society is to is to uh, to bring some sort of empathy and some sort of a uh, sense of uh, togetherness, some sort of sense of. Uh, Light in a dark place, you know, and this mm. guy was clearly in a dark place. And uh, I, I think you put he just, your light in him, and he didn't like it. He <laughs> just didn't like the whole thing. He didn't like, he didn't like the acoustic guitar. He associated that with something. I don't know. Are, do you have any quotes from this guy? Like, I yes. want to hear some of his words. He told me he was gonna kill me after the show. <laughs> but I mean, before the threats. <laughs> so, so, so like, I want to know what he said. He said he was gonna break each of the fingers on my left hand. No, no, he, no. He was bellowing this in my face. He's like, before the threats, though, how you. did he get there? Like, that's what confuses me. Is he went from zero to sixty really fast because uh, he goes before the threats. He, does he give any reasoning? There was some lead up to it. Yeah. Okay. And the lead up went like this: Shut up! Shut up! Shut the fuck up! Oh my god! Fuck you! Shut up! That was it. You know when I when I didn't uh, you know follow suit. And, and follow his his orders, he got closer and closer. And then before I knew it, he was in my face saying he was going to kill me. Wow. Um, and he was also saying things about my mother, a wonderful, gracious person. Clearly, he doesn't know her. They, they never met. Right. It was just kind it's of... It's like a, a hypothetical it was insult. A, it was a random... Think, it was yeah. kind of a Let's be honest. They might have been. <laughs> So he really infuriated me. He probably didn't like it when I when I gave him the the, the, the middle finger. Oh, um, I see. While playing, I was like, "Shut up!" And you're like, Pee. "Or did you do it like slyly as as a chord, as a bar no. chord, halfway down the no, neck?" No, I waited to the end of the song, and I was just like, "Man, how you like that?" Okay, there it <laughs> is. Saying. There it is. I mean, say it as the Italian. Do it. Do it. Yo, cuz, yo, how you like that, eh? At this point, I'm getting kind of frightened, you know, because he's a big guy, and I think he's got friends at the bar. Why and did you think that? Bikers that, tend yeah, to, oh, okay. teams just, of teams just based of on his behavior, I wouldn't have guessed. I mean, the bikers tend to ride with together. A, yeah, that old biker bathwater is going out with this guy. It was a biker bar, and it was his bar. It was his boys. It was his bar, and ladies, and yeah, so. I just close my eyes. I finish my set, my set, you know. And while I'm finishing my set, I'm picturing what I'm. I'm like finding my exit strategy for this gig, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, no, that's not gonna work. Finally, I just, uh, I arrived at what I thought might be the best conclusion, which would be to take off my guitar and swing it like a baseball bat. Oh my god! Into his face. Your livelihood was your weapon. It's the only weapon I it's had. A, it's a CEO 4R Martin guitar. I mean, you're swinging a couple thousand dollar instrument there, dude. It's more than a couple. Into his face. Yeah, it's pretty big crack, but you're pretty lucky. Like Expensive that, sword to That be could be completely face to bits. It has been reconstructed on the inside. Flip it over. You can see on the back there the, the, the long crack oh, down, yeah. the, down the middle. Yeah. And some of the, uh, two of the bracings inside shattered and came out. And then there's also that crack right down the center of the face. Yeah, that's it. 
it was a fight or flight situation. Yeah. And I chose to fight and I, I chose to, I chose to, you know, strike quickly and fast. Do you usually fight instead of flight or is that just you try to measure out the situation? It seems like you had some foresight here. I knew that if I, ch- if I like put down the guitar and was like, let's, let's take this outside, whatever like that, which probably yeah. would have been like the, the, the gentlemanly thing to do. Um, I, I knew I, I wouldn't get out of there without some serious sort of, you know, repercussions. I mean, it, you know. But anyway, I, I knocked him so hard in the face, I swung like I was swinging for the fences, you know? And, yeah. And then he just, like, fell over like a, like, a, like a pile of, you know, bricks and just, bam, fell straight down. And then he was unconscious, and he started doing, like, the floppy fish on the ground thing. Oh wow! Oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah, shit! Yeah. He fell really hard, and then the his some of his buddies and the bartender, I think the bartender might have been the owner as well. Um, they saw the whole thing happen, and they also saw what led up to it. And so when they saw him like twitching on the ground, um, I said, "Hey, call call an ambulance, please." And uh, and they did because they knew that was the right thing. And then he sort of came to before the ambulance came, but I mean, he was there was blood everywhere. I broke his nose, and um, pro- I probably I probably shat, like shattered his face. <laughs> Who set up the gig? Are they upset about this at all? Like the I did the owner. I, I mean, but the well, the, no, was the bartender like, yeah, you really can't smash people's faces with it was your just guitar. Just outside of Louisville, no, because it was a biker bar, and right, the bartender said, "Shit, man, you didn't have to go and do that." But everyone <laughs> saw that. I love that guy. So <laughs> graceful. Everybody saw what. <laughs> he was doing to me the entire set and and I was like yeah well you know um, I, I like call an ambulance make sure he's okay ambulance came the guy came too but he wasn't quite coherent you know all the fight got knocked out of him there was no, nothing left to do for him so and, oh my and, God. Uh, and then uh, the and the consciousness. It, he's like a vegetable his, now. No, he's not. I'm, he's not. I'm sure he's fine. Like, <laughs> but they have like a special bike for him that, <laughs> no, no. He, that rides him in the laying down position. He has position. a tube that if he blows into it, screams obscenities at every entertainer. <laughs> it's just like your old life. I stayed around long enough to know that he was, that he, you know, he went, he did get in the ambulance and I, but. Uh, he just got his ass beat. Yeah, in one, one fell swoop. I'm Levi Landis. And I'm Zach Stock. From Philadelphia, this has been We Need to Talk. This episode features music from our guest, John Francis. Hear more songs and find tour dates at johnfrancismusic.com. Find us on the web at talktalktalk.org and on Gmail and Twitter at We Need to Podcast. You know, I hit a guy with a cold avocado in the face. Smashed him. You were mad. Yeah. I stabbed a guy with a uh, swordfish one time. <laughs> I hit him with the tail first, and then I just, I was like, you want this? You want the point? You knew it was coming, and then I got him. Got him right in the gut. 
Moose can be weapons. Yeah, they're bad. They're antlers. <laughs> food can be weapons. Dreams can be weapons. Mm-hmm. Soft things can be weapons. Soft foods. Soft, Soft dreamy foods like mashed potatoes. Those are real bad. You can torture somebody with mashed potatoes. It's particularly cruel. Oh, I really need someone to talk to. Like a hurricane 